Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne on Global Voice Radio. Join Roxanne Durhage and her thought-provoking conversations, the catalyst to live your life to the fullest. Hi, everyone. It's uh, Roxanne Durhodge. Thanks so much for tuning in again uh, to Authentic Living with Roxanne. So today I have a very, very special guest. This is uh, someone uh, that's been a colleague for goodness. I'm trying to remember how long, at least oh, over 15 years, I would think. Over 15 years. 15 years. Uh, Miss uh, Carolyn Kotze. Carolyn um, brings an impressive um, resume. I, she did when I worked with her in a corporate consulting, but has done some amazing things since. And uh, Carolyn, I'm, I'm just going to read a bit about your bio and um, I'm going to love to hear just from Carolyn's words what things she's been up to. Obviously, she's a passionate strategic uh, leader. She's been successful in the corporate world for well over 25 years, uh, being a VP and a senior VP uh, in some major roles with uh, huge organizations. She's founded the Go Woman in Governance and I would like her to say it in French. La gouvernance au féminin. You see, I would, I would not say that well. It sounds so much better when it comes from you. This is a, a place in Canada that an uh, organization, nonprofit, has been developed to uh, work with women in leadership to advance their careers on boards um, in Canada. And um, some of the major initiatives is having major events with inspiring women um, to have local and international speaking um, engagements. Um, a robust, there's a robust uh, mentoring program for women at the VP level uh, to reach the C-suite and the board and the and governance courses and a corporate parity certification. You've yeah. had uh, your backgrounds in HR and uh, you were born in Beirut. You lived there till from age seven to 22. And um, you've recently won multiple awards of one. One of the ones that stick out uh, the most is that you're the top 100 most powerful women in Canada. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you. And, and most recently, not that uh, you haven't, uh, some of the big interviews and the most uh, re uh, recent one um, with was with Hillary Clinton, which I know has been spreading like wildfire and uh, Justin Trudeau, uh, Princess Sarah Zaid of uh, Jordan amongst lots of, there's a long list here. The longest. But I, I just want Carolyn to be able to um, be able to share with you. So Carolyn, thanks so much for being here and um, spending the time with us today. So what I want to do is to have women like you that are inspiring the world, not just women, but also uh, men to really kind of use their authentic voice and in looking at what you've been doing, um, amazingly so, you and I have been at the corporate level. We understand some of the corporate pressures, but you've kind of gone on and, and really uh, created a space for women um, in the VP level. So, so right. tell me a little bit about you. Tell me a little bit about Carolyn and what she's been up to in the last little while. Well, so as you mentioned, we used to work together uh, many years ago and um, my career has been very flourishing. Uh, all the way to the senior vice president role that I was uh, that I had I held for four years at Canada's largest medical expertise firm, which I left at the beginning of this year, of, uh, last year, at the beginning of 2017, to actually focus on the non-for-profit that I had created seven years earlier. 
And the reason why I had to make this difficult decision was that the non-for-profit had become so huge that it was just literally impossible to continue to manage it on the side, especially wow. when I was in a major role in the corporate world. So it was, it was a very difficult decision, but I can tell you, I never looked back since. It's been an unbelievable year. And I know 2018 is going to be even more spectacular. So you mentioned uh, our, our events. Uh, we always have amazing speakers uh, at our events. We have men, we have women on stage. When we have panels, we never have only women. We always like to have the perspective of at least one man. Also, because you know, we would criticize any panel that is only uh, composed of men. Uh, I think it's uh, you know paramount importance that men are involved in the discussion. Um, they still have the power. They are the ones who will decide whether they open the door or not to a boardroom. So if we don't have them as allies, we're probably not gonna get very far. And I can tell you that one of the reasons that Women in Governance has been so successful is because we have actually parity on our board. Uh, we have nine board members, five men, uh, five women and four men. And on all our committees, we have men. So we take their perspective, they, we use them as sponsors, we use them as uh, you know ambassadors of, of the cause, and it goes a long way. So at our events, there's about, I would say, um, maybe 35% men, 40% men, which compared to, you know, other um, events um, for the cause of advancement of women is, is pretty good. We, uh, so, so our, our events is what started us, is what kind of put us on the map seven years ago because I did a lot of high level interviews and people were interested. After that, we realized that that wasn't enough, you know, women come, they listen, they're inspired. Do they apply these things tomorrow morning in their lives? Not necessarily. So we thought we should take it a step further and put in place a mentoring program where we're actually for 12 months um, matching a woman who's at the VP level. We take women who are already pretty senior. And for many people, it seems like they've already gone through the glass ceiling, but in my book, not yet. Right, right. We want them to become president. We want them to chair boards. We want them to sit on major boards, paying boards. We're not talking about non-for-profit. There are women all over non-for-profit boards because, you know, men are, are less interested and women don't mind not being paid. This needs mm -hmm. to stop. Um, and for 12 months, they're supported in terms of, you know, um, having the guts to actually accept a role that seems to be beyond them, uh, taking a stretch assignment, um, getting out of their comfort zone, um, also coached around, you know, do you have all that it takes in terms of uh, your professional experience, your education, your network, etc. We've also added to that governance courses where we also want women to feel that yes, they have all that it takes to sit on a board. We're really you know, checking all the boxes to make sure women can't say, no, I'm not ready for this. Right. And um, our parity certification that you've mentioned, and we're going national with the parity certification in 2018. It's, it's been, um, it's last year, it's been launched last year, and we were uh, focused on Quebec, uh, well, national or multinational organizations, but for the Quebec employees only. 
Last year, we had 17 organizations certified, three of which were platinum, that's RBC, Royal Bank, Sun Life, and uh, Intact Insurance. Um, all 17 are major organizations, and we've decided this year to give them a chance to, to submit uh, nationally, not just provincially. Right. Um, and we think we'll have between 75 and 100 organizations who will uh, come on board. So our goal is for every organization in Canada to want to be certified. We want every candidate, male or female, during an interview to ask the uh, to ask HR, are you certified? Because that will give them an idea of the culture and the importance that that organization puts around the advancement of women and gender equality. So tell me a bit more about that, the parity kind of, what's involved? Like, I mean, you're talking about huge companies. I'm sure you have, you know, the breadth of sizes, but when you're talking parity, you're, how do you kind of decide what that metric looks like in an organization? So it's a pretty um, extensive process. Uh, it would take typically to an HR uh, executive or someone on their team about three to four hours to complete uh, once they've got all the data uh, under, uh, under their hands because we are not only asking questions around uh, the board and the executive committee and you know how many women and just the quantitative aspect but first of all we're also asking for qualitative data and i'll get more into that in a second and second of all we're going to all levels of the organization from entry-level roles mm -hmm. so from your receptionist from your your clerks all the way to your ceo and to the your your board um and the the questions are around you know again number of women etc but also around policies and procedures that have been implemented to allow women to advance their career um so uh, our minimum uh, is 400 employees. Um, that was the case for minimum 400 in Quebec. Now it's going to be minimum 400 nationally. Um, but we will have a certification for small and medium businesses as of 2019. Okay. Right now we're focused on the larger ones uh, simply because what we've built and we were supported by McKinsey and Company in building uh, that uh, questionnaire, which is about close to 50 questions. Um, what we built is really um, around the policies and the processes that are in place typically in a larger organization. So once we will uh, implement it for smaller businesses, we're going to have to revamp that questionnaire. There are questions that will not be pertinent because in a large, in a small business, you know, sometimes you, you hardly have a dedicated HR, so let alone a question like, do you have a dedicated person for diversity and inclusion? Right, absolutely. Sense, right? So, and uh, we are uh, obviously asking questions also around um, how do these organizations treat uh, complaints for harassment? How do they resolve, mediate, etc.? Uh, we already have this last year, and it's, it's interesting because we built it two years ago, launched it last year, and now it seems to be central. So we're, we're adding on to, uh, to that, you know, with, with the, uh, the Me Too movement, uh, et cetera. It's become really important to make sure that in all industries, it is addressed. And it, is it not so timely, right? You know, obviously we've been women in, you know, executive positions. We understand 
we understand the sectors that we dealt with, we understand the environments that were predominantly female versus male, but at this particular point in time, uh, the issues are being highlighted by places like Hollywood, where we're seeing, you know, such a big mammoth system being um, having to become transparent uh, because of what's been blown open. So, looking at from a small or a micro to a macro, yeah. your, that brush is just, you know, huge and and such work that needs to get done. Now, tell me, okay, obviously, where did this passion come from? Like, I mean, I know you've been in business a long time. Where, where I mean, you know, years ago when we were in corporate together, uh, we were in different roles. Tell me where that burning passion to create what you've created came from. Uh, well, two things. Uh, first of all, as you mentioned, I was born in Lebanon. Uh, I grew up through the war. Um, I've seen a lot of injustices. And even, you know, the war started when, when I was seven. And even at that time, you know, I was realizing that there were crazy things happening around me and that adults were not necessarily rational or fair or equitable. And I started, you know, I became very observant at that time. And the, the thing that struck me the most was, you know, in Lebanon, everybody has, um, you know, from I'd say mid-class and up, everybody has mates at home. And they're for the most part from Sri Lanka or from the Philippines. And uh, like everybody else, we, we also had maids. And in my family, we always treated them like family. We were always very respectful. We were taught to respect these women. But I would see um, in most families, they were actually treated very poorly. Some were raped, some were beaten, some had their passports confiscated. I mean, it was, for me, it was just unreal. And I always thought to myself, I mean, why, like, why, why do they treat them differently? So there was some racism, there was some sexism, misogyny. Um, and overall, the laws in Lebanon are completely flawed. I mean, a Lebanese woman who marries a foreigner cannot give her nationality to her children, Lebanese nationality, whereas obviously a Lebanese man can. Um, Lebanese men cheat on their women, on their wives all the time. If the wife cheats, she goes to jail. There's, there's crazy things like that, that at a very young age, I realized made me crave for justice and equality. And when I came here in 1990, I realized, you know, in my mind, Canada must have been the land of, you know, equality and, and you know, men, women, it was all the same. And uh, I got involved in the community. I helped a lot around uh, women's shelters because I realized, you know, that there, there are a lot of difficulties there as well. And I, I was, you know, um, very quickly, uh, my own career in parallel was just moving and I realized that women even in the corporate world who seemed to have it all were actually treated unfairly there was a gender wage gap there were uh, difficulties in terms of uh, you know uh, being able to have a voice at the table and you know the the, the Statistics are striking. I mean, there's only 5% of women CEOs in Canada. There's 15.9% of women on corporate boards. And 40% of boards in Canada don't even have one woman. Wow. So, you know, it's, it's, it's quite shocking. So I felt that I had uh, a need, a really strong desire to make a difference there, although I didn't know how to do it. And as my own career was progressing, Roxanne, I also realized that I was moving up the ladder with not very many women around me. Mm -hmm. You know, you're sitting on an executive committee and looking around you and all are men and they're mansplaining and they're interrupting and they're just not used to having a woman around them. 
and you'd say something and they take your idea and repeat it and everybody concurs and you just said it two minutes before. So I think that also helped me develop my voice because I, you know, wasn't going to take that. But then I realized that not all women had that type of personality that it requires to be able to do something like this. And I thought, well, maybe if I put in place some sort of a mentoring program, maybe if I give workshops and conferences and speak to these women, I can bring some sort of change. And so I did that. And it actually, I did not think that it was going to be that well, well, I knew it would be well received, but I, I didn't realize that the need, the huge need that there was, because all of a sudden, people were like, it was buzzing. It was buzzing. And then came those questions, you know, why you, what, you know, you come from a country where forget about equality. How come you come here and you're asking us to do more? And right. I said, well, no, because I know in my country where for the first time last year, we had a ministry of uh, status of women, which is led by a man. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I know that I will not be able to make any changes over there. I get that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Here, we're pretty close to where we should be. We're not there yet, but we need to work and we need to work with men, we need to work with women. So men now understand that it's not only the ethical thing to do. They get it, that if they want to have a better financial performance for their organization, diversity is key. I mean, there is a ton of uh, research on that. So, and very robust research. So we don't need to do that anymore, to explain why, you know, please, Mr. CEO, please, Mr. Chair of the Board, understand that it's in everybody's interest including you know not only your organization but the society the economy uh, as a whole so um based on that um women also need to step up because that's the other thing you know recently the canadian uh, the bdc the banque de développement the canadian okay i get all back, i guess the BDC. Oh, hrdc uh, sorry Human Resources Development Canada? No, 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 oh. the bank, the uh, okay. Business okay. Development Bank of Canada. Yeah. I, they were looking for a chair for their board, and um, um, I did get a call. I did submit a lot of names, and uh, they were, uh, I know that there were some explorations around uh, some of the names that I had given, um, which unfortunately did not materialize, and a man was nominated. A lot of people reacted you know, badly saying, could they have not made an extra effort, etc. I say, yes, probably they should have started way earlier searching for a woman because it will take longer because there are less women who have that type of profile at this point, simply because there's less women who have that experience. Um, but there's also women who need to say, you know what, I may not be ready for the role, but you're offering it to me and I am going to take it and I'm going to set, step up to the plate and I am going to impress you. So we need to take risk. And that is the only way that we are going to grow. If we don't come out of our, um, if we don't come out of our comfort zone, I mean, nothing magic is ever gonna happen. Where it's going to be same old, same old, we're going to stuck in the same job and you need to put up your hand. And if somebody taps you on the shoulder, you need to listen and, and, and dive right in. Well, what I find interesting that, I mean, obviously you and I both are introverts. <laughs> we talk and we can talk to people and those types of things, but you bring up a very important point. You know, when we rare, you know, not, maybe not us, I don't have a girl. I know you have a girl, you know, we, 
the, the women that were around that are younger in our my frame of reference i you know i talk to them about using their voice being true to themselves those types of things but if you're not coming from an environment even if you're smart and you've gotten up pretty senior in organization sometimes you might be like you said a little bit more reserved you know, you right. may have the background, maybe you're stepping into something higher where you're thinking, wow, how am I going to do this? But it's that stepping into it and taking that risk. So the mentoring program that you have, does it yeah. kind of pair people with more senior people? What is the, what's involved in the actual mentoring program? Yes. Yeah, so uh, our, as I mentioned, our mentees are at the VP level. Okay. Uh, our, our mentors are, uh, they're both men and women. Okay. Uh, they are at the C-suite level for the most part, CEOs, chairs of boards, uh, men or women who sit on, on, on major boards and who can recommend, um, you know, these women for uh, board openings, for jobs, etc. Because, you know, these women do understand that they're not going to get a major board nomination if they haven't advanced their career to mm -hmm. a certain level where they've got PL management um, experience, where they've got something to bring to the table. And we're sensitizing boards to not put too much emphasis on bringing uh, CEOs to the table because there are only 5% of women CEOs. So it's a vicious circle. Right. And a woman, let's say at a major bank who runs a division, who runs a province, manages that PL. It's a huge role. Yes, her title is senior vice president, but it's a huge role. Uh, so, you know, they will go after a man who has less experience and they will question less his ability than they would for a woman. So that also needs to stop, you know. It's until I think everybody's comfortable with the concept that, you know, we're, um, we've got the capacities that, is, that are required. We think differently from men, which is why uh, it is so robust to have a decision-making process that is, you know, um, shared by both men and women, um, and which is why we have men on, on, on our board as well, because they will bring a perspective to the table that we haven't thought of. And it's the same thing for younger people as well. You know, the government of Quebec has recently put in place legislation for Crown Corporations, where you have to have one individual under the age of 35 per a Crown Corporation board. Wow. Uh, and we're also in Quebec, the first ones to have uh, a law that requires parity, 50% of women on all our, so like what you have Hydro uh, Ontario or Hydro One uh, is our Hydro Quebec. Mm. Well, we've had parity forever on that board, our NSAQ, our liquors board, etc. So that, you know what that demonstrates, Roxanne, is that when you legislate, you find the women, and when you don't legislate, you find excuses. So I've been lobbying for a, a while with, uh, you know, Justin Trudeau and, and, and the, uh, I went, I did a, uh, also a testimony at the Parliamentary Commission uh, last June uh, to share my research because I've been, you know, I've been traveling uh, um, pretty much everywhere over the past couple of years. I'm uh, uh, luckily sponsored by Air Canada to do this, but I've brought back um, a lot of case studies from what I've seen in other countries. And France, for instance, who had, just like us, uh, they were at 12% of women in 2010 at the, women that, at the time that I founded Women in Governance. Today, they're at 40%, and we are wow. stuck under the 20% bar because so, they have the legislation. 
So with with when you're lobbying, right? Like obviously this we know how long that process can be. It's so do you, do you find that Canada is able to kind of benchmark themselves in reference to what they see globally? Like when you said you're you know you're in contact with uh, Justin Trudeau and stuff like that. How open are they? Or is it you know like it's like it's kind of like the tagline with a lot of companies, right? I would like parity. Give me the label. Maybe kind of look like I fit in and. I'll kind of toe the line. Do you find that there's being there's an actual shift starting to happen because of obviously your organization or just some of the things that you're seeing globally? Uh, so there's definitely a shift in terms of the mindset and in terms of the desire to see more women. Um, the discussion I had with Justin Trudeau on that very topic, he was very happy with the Bill C25. Um, that requires divulgation. The organizations have to uh, say uh, how many women they have, what targets they've, they, 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 they self, sort of self-impose their targets, right? Uh, and what their results are. Uh, so what I was telling him is that that's not gonna be enough because there are no consequences. Right. And it's the exact same thing as what the um, Securities Commission put in place, which is called comply or explain. So organizations will just explain, this is why we were not able to find the women, etc. We say you need to impose certain things uh, to help the movement because it's just not moving. If anything, we're almost regressing. It's, it's insane. Mm -hmm. But uh, if there's openness, there's huge openness. I can tell you that when I did my, my testimony, I was um, at the National Assembly. I had both uh, conservative and liberal uh, deputies who were, were listening and um, you know, we spent more than an hour and they were extremely receptive. Um, they uh, had my speech translated and make sure that they were able to send it around and there were huge openness. Now, concretely, did anything happen? Uh, not yet. Um, I was invited actually by Justin Trudeau to speak at the uh, uh, Liberal Party uh, Conf Congress in uh, April in Halifax. So I will Say what I have to say again. So they're they're very kind to give me platforms because I've also spoken at the uh, um, women's uh, um, what do you call it commission for the Liberal Party uh, a couple of years ago. So I you know I do get a lot of traction. I have the ear of a lot of people, but we're really going to have to be more concrete. Uh, and a gender balanced cabinet is great, but what does that do for the corporate world? At this point, it hasn't trickled down. Uh, I also spoke, funny enough, at the National Assembly in Paris. So I was invited by a French deputy in 2015 to share, you know, uh, this the situation here in Canada. And they also had invited a uh, Swedish woman. And uh, so France was sort of learning from Sweden and and listening to what was going on in, in Canada and, and realizing that they actually were ahead of the game, which is quite... Which is, which is which is fantastic. So there's an openness, but as we we know, with creating big changes or systems, yeah. it's going to take a lot of you know um, small steps and and adding on. But it sounds like you, you've been doing a lot. Now I'm uh, curious, like, because I'm sure everybody's curious that about your interview with um, Hillary Clinton. Yeah. And you know, tell me what I mean. What an amazing experience for you, but just the presence and just and what that was like for you and kind of what, what kind of the nuggets were for you when you were able to spend time with, with her? So, uh, first of all, I can tell you one thing is she's nothing like how media portrays her. 
You know, that cold, distant woman who doesn't yeah. care about people, that is not her at all. Of course, she had to put on a sort of a facade, you know, for all these years, because women in politics are so criticized. They are so judged. And, and then we end up with, you know, somebody like Donald Trump in the White House. You know, it's, it's uh, I, don't, I, I don't even know how to qualify it. But just, a, just to give you a perspective, the first time I met her was in Toronto. I did two interviews with her, one in Toronto and one in Montreal. And uh, in Toronto, uh, I was backstage. I was waiting for her. I hadn't seen her or spoken to her before the night up. I had spoken to Uma Abedin, her right arm for the past 20 some years, and five, six people on her team, but not to herself directly. Um, so I was uh, backstage, it was dark, and uh, the wall was covered with Secret Service's agents. And uh, <laughs> all of a sudden, I see at the end of a corridor a pretty tiny woman, blonde, walking towards me. And so I, I never realized that she was actually petite like I am, you know. I, in my mind, you know, somebody you admire like this, you're always under the impression they're tall and they're, you know, statuesque. And so she walks towards me and my heart stops. And she puts her hands on my shoulders, looks at me in the eyes and says, I couldn't wait to meet you. Wow. So I said to her, you couldn't wait to meet me. <laughs> uh, so, you know, that was quite uh, the ice breaking experience. Um, she was very soft, very kind, uh, very reassuring. You know, she said, um, I've read about you. I was very impressed. I am, you know, obviously she had to prove my profile uh, that I was going to do this. And she said um, that she was really, you know, looking forward to the time that we were going to spend together on stage. And um, we spent an hour together and it was just fantastic. We really clicked. Uh, she was so accessible. Um, the crowd was, I mean, there were almost 6,000 people in the room. And they were cheering her on. And they were, I mean, at first when I started, when I went on stage before her to introduce her, I thought I was never going to be able to finish a sentence. <laughs> Every time I said something, everybody was screaming. So, you know, the first thing I, you know, the first thing I thought is, you know, people, People know me well in Quebec, but not in Toronto. And I thought they might say, you know, who is this woman on stage? And, you know, I said, good evening. My name is Caroline Potsy. I'm the president and founder of Women in Governance, an organization for the advancement of women. They started screaming the minute I said for the advancement of women. So, you know, they put me at ease right away where I felt very, very welcome. And then I said, uh, you know, a few words about Hillary Clinton. And I said, and who lost? to um, political newcomer Donald Trump, and everybody was booing, so <laughs> It was a very fun crowd. Uh, then she came on stage, and it was, you know, uh, obviously a huge standing ovation. People couldn't stop cheering and, and, and applauding, and so very amazing experience. Then uh, a month later, we did Montreal, and uh, so that was my crowd with my family first row. And, mm, uh, no, pre no pressure whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, that was very different. It, it was very different. But since we had already done it, um, I guess it was even more, um, more comfortable, more at ease. Um, it was a little bit different in the sense that we were more ad-libs than we were in Toronto, I guess. 
Um, but, you know, my goal was to really highlight some of the things that not everybody knew about her. Um, and also her message. And the reason why she wrote that book, uh, What Happened, is really around sensitizing people, not only um, uh, regarding the, um, you know, sexism and misogyny and the, the, the importance of having more women in politics so that we could get sexism out of politics, but also everything that happened around the Russian intervention. Mm -hmm. and, uh, because she got blamed a lot and she took the blame and she did recognize that she was disconnected with part of the population and she was too close to Wall Street and all of these things, you know, she made uh, uh, amends, but she really wanted population, general population to understand the risk to our democracy and what happened, how the FBI behaved, what Donald Trump did, and I think it was essential um, that um, he wrote this book. I think it was very therapeutic for her, but also very important for the rest of us to better understand. So what was your most special moment um, in interviewing her? What, what is one pebble that you kind of thought, wow, this spot for me right now is, was there one particular thing that she shared that really kind of, you know, well, she, you know, she made me laugh at one point when we were talking about, I asked her to share how she felt when she went to the inauguration. Mm -hmm. And uh, so she shared uh, what she did before, which was hope that maybe others weren't going, where so they were calling all the former presidents, uh, but everybody was going, so she felt she had to go there. And she was uh, talking about the glances that she was exchanging with Michelle Obama, thinking, mm -hmm. you know, is he for real? And, you know, <laughs> and then she shared um, that at the end, when they were leaving, George W. Bush said out loud, you know, in Texan uh, bluntness, that was some weird shit. <laughs> so that was, you know, that so was just the authentic part to what it is to hold a role like that. Exactly. So, you know, woman behind the candidate, there is obviously and, 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 you know, and to be able to really have done the things that she's done and I've not read her book, but I, I would love to pick up a copy and, and, um, you know, read about her entire experience. Now you, t you know, you can also download the audible, by the way, I read oh, the book, I downloaded the audible. It's perfect. her own book. And I just so got that. the car uh, Hillary Clinton's talking to you. Okay. Awesome. I'll do that. So tell me, you know, you, you know, you have a daughter, you, you know, you a speak lawyer to now? and she's a lawyer now. Wow. Yeah, so, you know, when you're, when you speak to women um, that are coming up and, you know, gone are the days where we tell our little girls, you know, to be nice and cross her legs and we tell them to go out there in the world and we tell them all these things. What kind of words of wisdom do you have for young women or young little girls coming up that, that you think would, is important for them to reflect on as they get out there and kind of face the world? Well, I think that this generation is much more fortunate than we are because they've seen sort of several revolutions of, of women saying, you know, enough. Um, I don't think that we are, um, well, you know what? Parents still have a major role. I think what we need to stop doing is telling girls that they need to be pretty and boys that they need to be strong. So I've taught my daughter that she needs to be strong. I also have a son. And he, you know, obviously uh, is a feminist and follows everything that we do and very involved with women in governance. But, you know, my daughter became a lawyer at age 22. So right. very young. 
um, she uh, has very quickly understood that it's a world where if you don't take your place, nobody is going to open the door for you. You know, and she has learned from my own experience that if they don't open the door, you go through the window, you go through the fire, uh, the chimney, you find a way, but you get in there. And she's very much like me. And the other thing is I've been heavily involved in the community since always. Um, and my children got involved very young. I mean, at age 11, they were already with me at, uh, you know, I was a um, spokesperson for the Salvation Army for five years. My kids were there for the Missing Children's Network. My kids were there um, for the Cancer Society. My kids were there and now they're involved. They've been for the past five years uh, involved with the Daffodil Ball, the two of them, and um, which is for the Canadian Cancer Society. And they've realized to what level it served them to be well and you know well networked because they both hold you know she works at a law firm he works at the World Bank uh, you know at a very young age when some of their friends were struggling or you know working at uh, a Dairy Queen or Dunkin Donuts they were already um, working in major organizations and that doesn't happen just because you have a good CV that also happens because you're well networked you're well intentioned. People see you uh, come across as someone who does more than, you know, just you go uh, above the call of duty. You know, like I've worked in career management for decades. You know, we look at CVs. What else do you do? You know, right. you have Absolutely. an MBA. So what? Tons of people have an MBA. <laughs> You've worked at a major accounting firm. So what? There's tons of people coming out of there. But what have you done? Who are you? And if you have either created a movement, even better, or at least participated in a very active way and, and, and demonstrated that you believe in your role as a corporate citizen, I think that says a lot. I've also at that time coached lawyers at a major law firm uh, who were, um, let's call them junior partners, and um, were told that you will never become an equity partner if you're not involved in the community because that goes against our values. So if you want, to be an equity partner, i.e. really speak in the name of the firm, well, you're going to have to get involved. And some of the discussions I had were quite striking where the person would say, well, what more do they want from me? You know, I work so hard, I don't have time. I can't be everywhere. I can't do everything. Well, nobody can do everything, but everybody can do something. And those excuses of I don't have time, I don't buy them. Listen, I'm a single mother. I raise my children on my own. Uh, their father doesn't even live in the country. He left the country when they were 13 and 15 at a very difficult time. And I've really decided that I was going to keep, you know, the boards I was sitting on, get, still do all that I'm doing and get them more involved. So we, you know, uh, jokingly, my son was telling uh, Melanie Jolie, the, or the Minister of um, Patrimoine, uh, I don't know how to say that in English anyway. Minute. It sounds better in French anyway, whatever it means in English. <laughs> and he was telling her, uh, you know, when I, because um, he all, often, they often get asked, you know, when do you see your mom? And they say, well, sometimes we need to go to her events to be able to see her. And you know what? I think it makes her more resilient, more independent, autonomous children. And, uh, you know, those women who think that uh, they're, um, feel too guilty because the kids have to make their own dinner. I think that they need to think that, think twice. 
Right, because you're, you're already setting a stage. And like likewise, like with you, I've been on my own for a bit too. And, uh, you know, after we left our corporates, you, I think you left before I did, but really, and then you're on, you're kind of on your own and it's kind of like, right. now what? you know, and it's really about the social welfare that you're, you're demonstrating by, the, by your actions when you go out and you sit on these boards or you speak at events or you, you know, help someone. They're, they're constantly watching you and, and modeling what kind of things that they see from you on an ongoing basis and and becoming like you said good good citizens just overall based on wherever they go and yeah. my 16 year old will often say that you know that he can see how i'm doing these things and how how it how you know helping people how that makes a difference you know because obviously he's a bit younger than your guys but they're, they're very very impressionable so carolyn i want to know that if there's um if there's women out there um that are interested in getting a hold of uh your organization um you know or any other elements they may just want to reach out and, and learn more even if they're kind of still coming up in the ranks um where where can they get a hold um uh, of the yeah, our website, womenandgovernance.org. Okay. Uh, we're also very active on social media, but um, actually we need to change the name because we're under the French name only on social media. We're going to add the English name. Um, it's La Gouvernance au Féminin. Uh, if you go on the website, on womenandgovernance.org, you will see uh, our social media. It's easy to access. And we do share in both languages. We actually share a ton of English articles. Uh, on a daily basis, and there's close to 50,000 people on the different, uh, you know, between LinkedIn, between Twitter, between Instagram and, and Facebook, there's a page and there's a group. Uh, there's a lot of discussions that go on there every day, and a lot of men also participate in the conversation. It's very rich. Fantastic. And I've been reading a fair amount of it because I can click on the translation, which has been fantastic. So thank you, thank you so much for taking thank the time. You. Thank and, you, Rosanne, for the invitation. You know, authenticity and voice is such a key thing, and being women in the world is important. But like you said, you know, um, we can't do this alone. We need to be able to have good men along the way that will assist us to break through these barriers. And it's, you know, we're making uh, inroads, but any kind of assistance is necessary. So I want to thank everybody for tuning in again uh, to Authentic uh, uh, Living with Roxanne. Um, if you're wanting more information from Carolyn, please reach out. And if you're needing to uh, connect with me about any of this information, um, you can uh, reach me at roxanderhodge.com. Okay, take care. We're good. Authentic Living with Roxanne every Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern on Global Voice Radio.